T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ah, oh, welcome back, my friends. It is our number two. That's right, our number two of KMOX's at your service. Greg Damon hanging out with you till ten o'clock tonight, and uh, we got a lot of stuff planned for you this hour for sure. If you remember, if you were playing the home game of the uh, at your service show last week, and uh, we're listening to us, Brent Cassidy was in here. Uh, he has a book called Nightmare Success, also uh, a podcast called Nightmare Success. And uh, he has kind of, he's well, I shouldn't say kind of, he is actually back in studio. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation with that fascinating, fascinating conversation we had. And uh, Brent, I want to make sure I turn your mic on here real quick. Thanks for uh, coming down and hanging out with us for sure. Thank you, Greg. Uh, this is better than last time because I actually found my way here on time. <laughs> I was wandering around St. Louis and you guys moved 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. For folks that for <laughs> folks that don't know, KMOX used to be right across from the Arch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when when Brent and I were, uh, you know, making make, for him to come down here, emailing back and forth, texting back and forth, and uh, I said, uh, okay, here we are, you know, parked by the Blue Awning, whatever. <laughs> so he says, he texts me, says, I'm here, and it's like 10 minutes before the show or before he's supposed to be on. And uh, so we go down and look for him. He's not there and figure out that he's... Very, very humbling, Greg. Uh-huh. Yes, just wandering around. You know what? It's all right. Everything worked out great. So that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, again, thanks, Brent, for uh, yeah, for coming down for and hanging me. out. Uh, so again, uh, your book, Nightmare Success, uh, also a podcast with that. Uh, I, I want to kind of recap for some of the folks maybe listening yeah. new tonight about your story and and really what what how this is family owned business. Yeah, you end up going to prison, so yeah. I'll let you go ahead and kind of. Yeah, recap it was a family owned business. Uh, we we ended up growing that business and got to be into twenty two states. Um, all the good things that go with going into the family business. We, my brother and I, were kind of known as uh, maybe innovators in a business that didn't change that much because uh, we were. Um, we got into life stories and creating uh, when you went to the cemetery. Now, this is for funeral home, funeral for pre-arranged cemeteries. Yeah. Pre-arranged funeral home, yeah. for so, pre-arranged funeral. So we we uh, we got into that business, and, and because we were doing different things in that business, we, we, were, we were known. But uh, the short story of it is, is uh, we got into a terrible tiff uh, and— uh, when that happened, we went into a six-year battle and lost, and you know mistakes were made. And, and this is with the federal government. With the federal government, ended up to be a federal uh, indictment with six people, 
and it included my dad, uh, the uh, CFO, the president, uh, uh, our attorney, um, the investment advisor, and the secretary. So it was um, it was a big deal. It was a very humbling uh, deal, and uh, I ended up at the gates of Leavenworth Prison. And man, is that humbling! I I got to you know, what was it like sitting sitting there and finding out that you're going to have to go to Leavenworth? I mean, I, I you well, know, I'd, I'd I'd probably you know all over could, myself. <laughs> well, it's anybody who says that they aren't scared when they hear that. First of all, that you're going to go to prison. Uh, Leavenworth is a scary word because people know that. Right. It's hardcore. It, it, yeah. Military prison on top yeah, of it. Yeah, there's a military prison behind there. Uh, it's actually the only military prison in the United States that is right behind there. Um, but, yeah, anybody who doesn't, uh, they're not being honest with you. That it, it, it shakes you to your core knowing that you're going to go to prison because you don't know. And I, I said this uh, I think Greg, last time when we were talking, is is that what your mind makes it out to be in your mind, it's never as bad as you think it is, but you have to walk through it to get to those places where you think, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. But when you, there's two places, there's two ways to get to prison. You know, you can be shackled and brought in in a van, and they draw the the uh, the rifles. And that's a scary-looking thing that I saw pretty much every day because um, we were on the outside of the wall at the camp, and then the USP was on the on the hill. Or you can voluntarily surrender. Now, I know that voluntarily surrendering is better, and that's what I got to do, but um, going and getting out of your car and going and standing at that gate is uh, an experience that you cannot ever properly explain to somebody because – Everything that you know is behind you. Everything you love is behind you. Your freedom is behind you. And you're walking into this place that is built in 1879. Whether you go to the maximum medium or the camp, you go into the same place to get processed. The first thing that happens, I think, when you go into that world is, do they know that I'm supposed to be in the other place? <laughs> and... You know, that that just is kind of just you're swirling, sure. you know, you're, and you're walking into the, and it's it's like a maze. You know, you go into the basement of this gigantic, ugly looking, you know, prison and, um, you know, they walk you down one of those hallways and say, you know, open door five and door five opens and you say they say to step in and you step in and you don't know anything. And they don't tell you anything. Well, I mean, you got to be thinking. Look, I'm not. I'm not a bad guy. You know, I'm not. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a. You know, I'm not a bank robber. I don't. You know. And the crazy thing is, is everybody is processed and treated the exact same way, whether what you did or how you did. And the, that's the very first thing that I noticed when you step into prison is you don't know anything and you're not told anything, and it's on purpose. It's almost kind of like a uh, a hazing effect of getting used to the idea that you have no more rights. Your, your freedom's been left at the gate. And you sit in that cell for a while until they do anything. And you've got time to think, you know, am I, is this it? Is this where I'm going to be? Right. Do they know that I should be somewhere? All these things go on. So that is a, um, that's such a strange, strange, and you sit there, you know, by the time you process through it, so it takes, you know, four hours or more. And, um, that in itself is just so uh, gets you to your soul. 
really does. Well, you know, and today you you look at uh, TV, you look at movies. Prison's kind of glorified. You know, yeah. the orange is, orange is yeah. new black, and all this. You know, it's, it's like it's kind of like day camp. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I learned because you do see all those things. So I, you know, you don't know what to th- you don't know. So when I got out of that cell and the and the big house and went down and and got into this place that looked like a little rundown schoolhouse, had the big fence around it with the barbed wire and all that. You get in there, and it is, this is something that is like what you see in the movies. They do, everybody does gather around to look at the new people because you're the new guy. Right. Um, But one thing I, immediately, when I was brought to my uh, place where I was going to be living, and it was a huge dorm room, because there were were two cell man rooms, in, in two different blocks, but the new guys go into the big dorms and immediately there were guys helping me and it, it was, I, I didn't expect it. I didn't, didn't know that was going to happen. The, my, my bunk mate was a, a little Hispanic guy. looked like a boxer and he was a boxer. Um, and he immediately helped me with my stuff and, and he starts helping me clean out my locker. He said, you don't want to put anything in there. We got to go get some stuff to clean this out. Uh, and, he starts showing me how to make my bed military style. And he immediately introduces me to somebody that was strange. This guy that he introduces me to across the way, he says, Hey, Clark, he's one of you, uh, help him out. And Clark, as I get to talking to him, had gone to the same high school as me, uh, at DeSmith. <laughs> he had played basketball. He was eight years, my senior. And I had played basketball. And it, it, it was and I had two or three guys immediately start helping me. And uh, that was such a relief because I all of a sudden started realizing that these guys in here are just trying to get by. Uh, and and I was going to say that's the one thing that's different because I got to spend six days in jail as opposed to three years in prison. And there is a gigantic difference between the two. We're going to, well, let's get to that. I got to do a little business, though. Stick around just a few minutes here, and uh, we'll get into that. Folks, we're visiting with Brent Cassidy, and that's right. He's got a book out called Nightmare Success. Also, check out his podcast as well. And uh, we're talking about prison, of all things, here on At Your Service tonight. Stick around. We have more to. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everyone. KMOX is at your service. 920 is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. 
Greg Damon sitting in the big chair tonight, going all the way till 10 o'clock. Got a great guest in the house, Brent Cassidy. He has got a book called Nightmare Success. Also has a podcast, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, as uh, as you heard earlier in the first segment, Brent uh, went to prison, and we're kind of talking about uh, what goes on there. Again, Brent, thanks for coming down and hanging out with us tonight. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, we've t- we kind of talked about going into uh, uh, the big doors there, yeah. getting processed. Now you go down to the... Uh, as you said, the old schoolhouse with the barbed wire all over it. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, th- one of the things that uh, I thought was interesting was is that when you go in there, you, uh, you don't have like any toiletries or anything. You're you're brand new, and you know. So they just give you a uniform, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, they give you a uniform and your bedding, and that's it. And and they did, I didn't even get a pillow. I had to wait for a pillow for about three weeks. So that, that was, <laughs> yeah. I had a coat that I slept on for a while. But the the thing that I thought was interesting was is a couple of different things that grabbed me right away about just the prison environment was that without without toiletries, you're not going to have them until the next you know week around. Uh, the guy, the uh, Romo, my bunkmate, said, uh, "Casty, make sure you go down." Uh, at nine o'clock to the chapel, they'll take care of you. I thought, well, I don't know what that means, but I, I'm I'm going. And so the other new guy that was with me, we went down to the chapel, and these guys gathered around, and they, uh, just as when new guys come in, they gather toiletries. Uh, they they donate them to the chapel, and then they give you this little bag that's got your toothpaste, your shampoo, and other things that are in there. And I thought, wow. You know, and and as I got, you know, as further into my, I did the same thing, but um, you just don't know about those things. You know, these guys are really trying to help you through getting this transition. And I was going to say the one thing that's so drastically different about prison is that once guys get there, that's the, and they're going to be there for a while. They realize that this is going to have, they're going to have to make this uh, as comfortable as they can to live. Whereas jail, and I was only in there for six days, and it felt like six years, it's so uh, transitory. And the everybody who, you know, you've got people waiting for court. You've got somebody that's got a DWI. You've got somebody that killed somebody. You've got somebody that raped somebody. And it's just flat out the bottom of the bottom. And at any given moment, everything's on edge and fights break out. People, blood, you know, is is on the floor. It, it is a totally different environment to the point where, you know, people who are in those pods for a while, you know, I know guys that I was in prison with that were in there for 16 months or nine months or whatever. You don't in, even... You in don't, jail. Yeah, in jail. Okay. And you don't go outside. You're in those pods. I mean, you might be able to go to another room for a workout type thing for 25 minutes and come back. But those guys don't even go outside. It's it's a totally different deal. So when you're uh, entering the prison world, there's a different feel and a different vibe from the fact that it's built on a, it's primitive, very primitive, uh, you know, social society, but it works well. And it's built on respect. You know, you you have the prison rules and you have the inmate rules. And you need to learn the inmate rules real quick because you can get in trouble if, you know, inmate rules, think of inmate rules, uh, don't sit on somebody's bed, don't sit in somebody's spot, don't dare turn the channel. Uh, those are things that can break things out in a, in a big hurry. And the other thing that you don't want to do with, with prison 
rules and inmate rules is that it's better not to know if something's going on because there's things that go on in prison and they call it ear hustle. So you're, if you're ear hustling, you're trying to get into people's business. Well, that's not good because that means that you know something and then they can shake you down uh, the, the CEOs or whatever. Or the prisoners. I or would the assume. prisoners. And you never want to be known as a snitch because that's the worst thing that can happen to you in prison. So, in prison, you better just learn to keep to your business. Hang, they call it your car. Your car are the people that you hang out with. You know, your two or three or four guys that you do things with. But if if you are into gossip or into what they call ear hustling, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you just want to be the guy that has uh, keep into yourself, keep into your business. Don't get into other people's business. Yeah, I you know I've kind of wrote down a few little things, and that and respect was obviously one of them. Um, you know, it, it, I would think that really has to go a long way in prison respect. I mean, we, we see it out in regular society today. It seems to become more and more prevalent. Everybody thinks, you know, it seems like everybody has very thin skin and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't joke with anybody anymore. Everything's, uh, everything's a big problem. I assume in prison it's probably even worse. Yeah. The respect is really the glue that holds the thing. And you'd think like, because we're prisoners that there's like people stealing stuff and taking stuff and that's the way it is in the movies yeah and there's not the the that's part of the respect thing and if you are you don't want to be that person either because you will be taken care of and handled there is there are ways that people get handled when they are that bad type of thing and they don't follow the respect rule but for the most part uh that world runs on the fact that people respect people's property, they respect people's business, and you don't get into other people's business like, what are, what are you in here for? Now, if you're close to somebody, if Greg, you and I are close and we're, you know, we walk the fence together or we eat together or whatever, we might know a lot more about each other than uh, somebody. It's 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 intended to be, and, and, and everybody looks at it as rude if somebody says, hey, what are you in here for? You do, you, for whatever reason, that's a prison rule, wow. inmate rule, that you really don't get into that. You are taken for who you are when you walk in the door. And they'll check that out. I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Is, is it kind of like, you know, Shawshank Redemption when they say, well, of course, don't you know everybody's innocent? Everybody's in innocent in here. That's right. That's the big joke at the kitchen or the, at the dinner table there, yeah. I, I can only imagine. All right, I'm going to do a little bit more business here. Brent, hang with me some more. we got some more stuff to get into. All right, fantastic, folks. We are visiting with Brent Cassidy. He's got a podcast called Nightmare Success, also an author with a book on that, and we're talking about prison here on KMOX is at your service. Going to do a little bit of business. We'll be right back. Stick around. KMOX is at your service. Greg Damon sitting in the house tonight. Also, we are visiting with Brent Cassidy. He is the author of Nightmare Success. Also has a podcast called Nightmare Success. Um, We kind of gave a little synopsis earlier. Family-owned business ends up going to prison and kind of talking about uh, what really happened when uh, when he was in prison. Again, Brent, uh, thanks for hanging out with us here on a Thursday night tonight. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. So we've talked about a little bit difference between jail and prison. Sounds like jail may be a little more rougher than prison. Yeah, uh, you for know. sure. Yeah, that's see now. To I would have never guessed that. So yeah, no, there 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 is no comparison because of the immediate danger. You know your danger in prison. You know you you're there long enough to kind of figure out. It's so transitory with people coming in and out of of a jail. 
and and you don't know what kind of people they are and what what they and and everything is like a light match that's just getting ready to go off. Oh and, man! And it's it's uh, it's it's tough. It's it's not a place you want to stay very long. But I'll tell you this: the the uh, one of the things I think is interesting about prison because you know my life as growing up and whatever I felt I thought you know I lived a pretty normal life and uh, I do think it's interesting what you can actually adapt to. Um, I think you know going into Leavenworth, you know I didn't know what all I was going to be adapting to, but one thing that was really unique was is we had no air conditioning and. I, you know, you would think not having any air conditioning would be really miserable, miserable. And it, and it is, but somehow you adapt to it. And one of the things that you would do, you know, you'd have these really hot days and you find out that the, the inmate rules are you open the windows at night and let the cooler air in. And then you close those windows in the day in the morning and you trap that air. Now, anybody opening those windows in the summertime, that's a problem. So it, it it's and it really actually does kind of keep the place a little cooler than it would be. Uh, but I think it's interesting how your body can adapt to, you know, a 90, 95 degree day. I I found that I was had a lot easier time adapting to the the heat and no air conditioning than the cold because at Leavenworth, they wouldn't turn the heat on until the, I think it was the third week of November. And as you know, Greg, wow, <laughs> there's some really cold days in October and November. Sure, you never know what it could be. It could be a hundred. It could be five. Yeah. And you know those those cinder block walls hold that in. And and you know we'd get you know we'd get in there and and uh, I remember you know you get you get your your gray sweats on, you get your your coat on, you get your your stocking hat and. And that's how you went to bed, and you had your, you know, your long underwear on, and that's hard to get used to. That's that's a different type of deal. I can, you know, kind of sweat it out type thing, and maybe that's just me. But eventually, after a year or so, you kind of adapt to all of that and figure it out. I think the interesting thing about the environment and the social environment of prison is, is that you do find your people. You find people that you have uh, some similarities, and and that's like I said, those are the people that you really hang out with. But uh, it's it's an environment where you see people that are have strategies on how they're getting through this, and then you have the victims of feeling sorry for yourself and not doing anything. And it's there's no there's really not any in between in that society. Uh, you've got the guys. One of the things about prison is that the inmates actually do everything. They, uh, they clean the place, they, they make the food, uh, the electrical, they have uh, uh, a, a shop that they, they fix the cars, you've got the, the food warehouse where all the food's taken, and, and all of this is done by the inmates. All the grass is cut, by, everything is done by the inmates. I guess I didn't really know that, but... The really the only thing that really the COs do is they they watch you, and you know if, if you've got six or seven guys in the kitchen and they're making the food, then you've got one CO in there that watches you make the food, and then when count rolls around, uh, they count you. So you that's their job, and if the count's messed up, that's 
That's a, a, a bad thing. Oh, uh, because that means that somebody's out of bounds in the whole world. And it's always our fault. So, you know, it's not that they counted wrong. It was something that, right. that an inmate did. But, yeah, so that that's interesting because you you see two different types of people that are living in this society. You have the people that are going to work. For me, getting a job was huge in prison, getting a good job. And I had a guy uh, that I was introduced to right off the first night, uh, Jim Clark, that actually got me connected to the food warehouse job, which was huge for me because uh, it was it was outside the fence. And I got to walk about a mile to the food warehouse, which felt a little bit like freedom. And I could kind of walk around the big house and I could see Metropolitan Boulevard there. And it just kind of felt like I could have a little bit of touch of something. And I get to the food warehouse, but what I... What I found was is that you can re-engage your mind on things that, like, I hadn't done before. Like, I got forklift certified, so I learned how to, to, to drive a forklift and move that thing around and, and unload semi-trucks with this forklift and the, and the, the automatic pallet jacks and, those, and learn how to drive a big truck down to the – and learn to do all the thing with the mirror. So there's things that you can learn, interestingly enough, being in that environment – and like I said, then there's other guys that are in just a deep funk, and you can kind of see them wandering around. And you want to stay away from that because it it you want to stay in the groove where you're staying with the guys that are making the time. It it it, it I beats, imagine to keep your beats, mind off. Stuff. Yeah, it beats down your time. It it cuts your time. I think and right. how you handle it. So are are jobs plentiful? In, I mean, you know, if you want a job, can you get a job? It's they they expect you to work. Uh, there's definitely jobs that you don't want. Sure, uh, but uh, the you really have to. It's it's like anything else. It's like on the outside, you have to know somebody, and then that inmate puts in a word for you and say, "Hey, you, there's a new guy here, Cassidy. I think he's a good guy." And then that guy talks to that guy, and that guy talks to the CEO, and the CEO then asks for you to come up, and he interviews you. So. Yeah, there's 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 good jobs, but you really kind of have to work for them. You have to try to get into those positions. And, um, you know, there was there were a lot of guys that worked at a place called Unicor. And Unicor was kind of an interesting place because it was like a kind of like a factory. And what it was is they would take uh, electronics out of the federal buildings all across the United States. And then these inmates would disassemble them and those parts would be sold off. And so these people actually just kind of worked like a factory, and they were, they were paid, you know, more than most inmates to do that. But um, this was a like a big building that these guys went. And it was it was uh, I you know you don't think of those things in in the prison world, but right? They they kind of went to a big factory every day, kind of off to the side in this on this campus, and and worked in kind of like a factory line and. Um, for like I said, you had the uh, the garage where these guys they fixed. You know, there's pretty big, you know, machinery and trucks and that type of thing. Those guys fixed those things, and um, you had an electric shop, you had a paint shop, uh, and everybody kind of had their thing that they did, and then everybody would come back. Now, the the job that I had that I was I knew that I wanted as soon as I knew that it was uh, it was a job was that. There were five people that got to leave Leavenworth campus and go to Fort Leavenworth, and they could work on the Fort Leavenworth golf course. 
<laughs> okay. That was... That's got to be the dream job. That in, was the dream job. And uh, and that that took a lot of work to try to get, to, you know, do you, somebody knows somebody. And then, then eventually the superintendent from the golf course would have to call the prison counselor and say, hey, we want Greg. And then that's how the process started. So it took me about a year and a half um, to work my way into that. But that was... Uh, that was something that was, that was something that really moved my time when I was in it. And, um, you know, I got to do a lot of things that I never thought I would I know how to cut a green, know how to cut fairways. We cut down 52 trees, uh, one winter and chipped it all up. It was those ashwood trees that are dying. Yeah. Never thought I could do. And I was scared to death of that chipper. <laughs> you know, you've seen those things in the horror shows where you put the chipper right. in that takes your arm. I knew I could probably be one of those guys, but luckily that never happened to me. But could have been a bad deal. Could have been a bad deal. I could have come it. back deformed in some bad way. So, but I mean, that's I mean, obviously that's a that's a pretty good job right there, and uh, it certainly would make you know you're outside, so it, mm-hmm. it is more I, I guess kind of like freedom. It was. It was a little taste of freedom. Uh, Mike, the superintendent, had a dog Harley. That uh, a black lab that kind of he was with us all day long. He he when we mowed, he would go from place to place. And so yeah, that and we didn't really. And the other thing too, Greg, we didn't really talk a lot about it when we went back. I mean, we went went there at uh, six o'clock in the morning and came back at three thirty in the afternoon. But we we knew we had a really good thing, and we didn't play back on the other inmates that we had a really good thing. It was just one of those things that we knew we had. And we were we really appreciated that we had it. Goes back to that, uh, you know that that I guess the uh, having their own language, as you said, it, you know, ear hustling. I yeah. mean, that's that's got to be you got to learn all that lingo, I guess. You got to learn the lingo, but that comes that comes for like inmate.com. That was that, that if you heard it on inmate.com, that meant that that was when I first got there. I thought, did we have a channel? No, that was just gossip. <laughs> that's inmate.com. That's funny. But I'll tell you, the the um, there was a couple other things that I thought that was was sad. Um, I, there were a couple of things that you see when you're in there that you, you get, you get close to some of these guys and you see things, uh, like their family falls apart. And, you know, for me, I have so much gratitude for the fact that my family stayed together. My wife, Julie came to see me every weekend and it was a four and a half hour drive there, four and a half drive back. But for us as a family, that is what I got from week to week to week of what I looked forward to. And it, it allowed me to straddle the fence to the outside world and stay in my family's world uh, by having those visits. For those guys that didn't have that or they were looking for, you know, I, I, I remember one guy that had he'd lost weight and he was so excited for his wife to come and they were going to finally visit and she showed up with the divorce papers. Oh. And it was just like, oh. I mean, such a gut punch because in that environment, those dark days become so dark because of where you are. You know, it's like you can't just head down to the bar and say, I'm going to drain my, you know, sorrows today. You just are, you're in that environment that you can't get out of and you got to figure out. It's a lot of time to think. A lot of time to think. And I, I, I saw that, which, you know, it just, it would just, shake you to your your soul of sadness of seeing something like that happen and the other thing was is there was a couple of different guys that had you know deaths that they dealt with in in prison in fact i just had a guy that uh, paul that was on my podcast today and and he was talking about that i think he was he had a 10-year sentence he was um 
seven months to the door and his dad died and he couldn't get a furlough. He couldn't get a furlough to go see him before he was sick and he couldn't get a furlough to get out. So it's uh, just such a sad thing to have to lose somebody when you can't be there or you can't do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, I had a, another uh, Murphy, his his brother died when he was, and it, you know, we were, you, you try to help these guys out, but man, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to see that in a dark place. It really is. Absolutely. All right. Last bit of business here before we uh, head out. So hang on folks. We're talking with, we're talking with Brent Cassidy, and he has got a book out called Nightmare Success, also a podcast talking about his time in prison here on KMOX. Is at your service? Let's do some more business. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. 949, 9.50 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America, and we're visiting with Brent Cassidy here on KMOX's At Your Service. He's got a book out called Nightmare Success, also a podcast, and uh, we'll talk about that here in just a few seconds. Again, Brent, uh, thanks for coming down and hanging out. See how fast it goes. It's oh, like, man, you know, we're Rick. almost to the end of the show already. Crazy. It's like crazy, crazy. So uh, we're talking about your time in prison. One thing that we were just talking about off air that I think that you need to bring up uh, was talking about uh, your daughter, making a calendar for you. Go ahead. And yeah. So my youngest daughter, uh, I call her the baby. Her name's Connor. Uh, every year she would make me a new calendar. And so I would write in that every night and I would try to find a win for the day because, you know, you're, I know you're in a bad environment, but there's ways to win the day. There's got to be something good that happened. And so I would write and I found if I had a bad day and I wasn't filling out that win, I knew that I didn't want to have two little boxes that sure. I was filling out, and that had to, I had to find something tomorrow to get a win out of because you walk that fine line in prison, you don't want to fall into the ditch. You don't want to start skidding into that world where it's really easy to, to fall into, and it helped me a lot just to have that as a routine of mine to look at and write in and see what I, how I was handling myself. And when I was writing the book, uh, that helped me to see what was what was going on when I went to prison and how was I handling myself and what strategies was I using to make it work. And you know, I, I, I like to call that nightmare success because you, whatever you do in life, if you want to get to that part of whatever sets you free, you're going to have to walk through the unknown. And it's going to be scary, and it's going to be something you're not comfortable with. But if you step into it, you can get there. And once you start stepping, you start feeling like it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. You're getting there. It's not not so bad, not so bad, not so bad. Now I'm getting closer. Well, uh, you know, I got to think that uh, the conversation we had off air here on air as well, you've got such a positive attitude about it. That certainly had to help. Well, I think I've been a, you know, I'm, I'm a half full guy for the glass. So yeah, it's, uh, one thing that I've always wanted to do is have, when I'm in an environment, when I don't know what I'm doing, uh, is set goals, put a plan in place and it, that steadies me and it keeps me in, I think the right mindset. Cause a lot of that stuff that you're talking about, Greg is mindset. You have to have a mindset that, uh, you have to have something that steadies you to make you feel like you know where you're going. No, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. So, uh, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, uh, about prison, how it's going like that. I asked you about the jobs. What about, uh, what about life skills for, for guys that come in 
And and what I mean by that, you know, do they have, you know, like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or, or anything like that to help help folks uh, further along? They don't have a lot of, and that's one of the things if I, you know, could ever get involved more in that world, there needs to be a lot more of that to help people get them ready to get back out into society. Uh, they do have a plan. They have a nine month program that gets you a year off, and and uh, it's uh, it's called RDAP. It's residential drug alcohol treatment, I think, or program. But I always forget the acronym. But it's it's RDAP. That is a that's a good program. Uh, it's it's for people who have a, a drinking or drugs, and and it 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 gives you skills to handle that, uh, and it's supposed to help with recidivism. Uh, and I think it helps a little bit on that. But as far as what could actually be put into the to that world and help people to get them out, like resumes, resume writing, uh, interviews, how to interview, all those different things, I think this could be so effective. But one thing I want to tell people, though, is these guys that are in there, there's a lot of smart guys that are in prison. And uh, a lot of these guys that got into drugs or made a mistake um, – they're they're pretty smart. They just they were just on the wrong road. Uh, if they got you know an opportunity that somebody gave them on when they get out, that they, they've they've got a good brain. They just need a, they need a real opportunity. Sure, and I mean I, I assume that they, you know, hopefully worked hard in prison. I'm assuming that there's some sort of uh, help with education and stuff like that too. We got about a minute left. There is. There's an education department. You can get your GED. Um, I had a good, it was on my podcast the other day, Mike Hughes, he was uh, very effective helping these guys in prison, smart guy, and and uh, there were quite a few guys that he helped get their GED, which was uh, very rewarding for him and them. Now, what about like any college correspondence or anything like that? No, th- there's not anything like that, but there 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 is some of that in the medium and the maximums. For whatever reason, it's not in the minimum. Oh, I got you. I got you. All right, so let's talk a little about your book real quick. Uh, we got about uh, just about a little minute here. Uh, tell us about your book, Nightmare Success. Yeah, so the book, Nightmare Success, it's about my life. Uh, it's you walking with me through my journey of what I went through. Uh, my podcast uh, is me interviewing guys that I was in Leavenworth with or that were at other prisons. And we talk about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. And, and I got to tell you, Greg, there's some of the best stories that come out of this where somebody who's listening can take a nugget of, of something of how they handled something, the strategy of how they got through a hard time or a good time, and, and were able to step into what they wanted to get to and how they, they worked through it. And I, I love the guys that I have on because they're just so honest, brutally honest, and, and share these stories. And I think they're great. Really, yeah, absolutely. So, for folks who want uh, more information about the book, where can they go? They can go to Amazon. They can go to Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can also go to my website. My my oldest daughter Courtney, uh, she keeps that up to date as it happens, when it happens, and it's got all the stuff on there from the podcast to the book and 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 guest appearances and everything else. So, uh, BrentCassidy dot com. And that's that's with T's, not D's. Yeah, we spell that one wrong. <laughs> Hey, Brent, thanks so much for coming down and hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. It's been, I, uh, been fascinating two weeks, that's for sure. Greg, really appreciate Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Hey, that's Brent Cassidy, guys. Check out his, uh, go ahead and check out his website as well for that book. This is going to wrap up this edition of At Your Service here on KMOX. Thanks so much for listening. You guys be nice to each other out there. Hopefully no snow tomorrow. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.